Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hi, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, January 7th. Happy New Year to everybody. We were off the air the last two weeks of 2023 because all the holidays fell on a Sunday when we do the live show. So we kind of pre-recorded two specials over there. But now we're back live and we got a great show tonight. Alan D'Angelo from Power Theory, Last Breed, Everdorn, and a whole bunch of other bands in the past is on tonight's show. We're talking to Alan in about a half hour. We'll give him a call. We're going to get out as much music as we can. We kick things off tonight and this year with Liege Lord, Rage of Angels. Definitely one of my favorite records of all time. It's in my top ten. You know, Matt Vincy, the bass player, passed away last year, leaving only Tony as the only original member. I kind of thought they would have packed it, and they really weren't that active to begin with. I caught them at the last Defenders of Old Festival, but even that had to be about eight or nine years ago. Uh, and they really haven't done a lot since then. They were talking about recording and putting out a new record at that time. It never happened. Uh, so, I mean, but, you know, Keep It True Festival booked them as a tribute to Matt Vincy. It's probably going to be Joe and Tony on, on vocals and guitar and a few of the other members that have been filling in over the years in that band and whoever else they bring up on stage. And I said, it's not going to end there. Once they do it, every other festival is going to book that same thing. And, you know, Blades of Steel here in the U.S. booked Liege Lord, you know, the tribute to Matt Vinci. You know, it goes up there with the Skull tribute, which is ex-members of the Skull, where they pay tribute to Eric Wagner. I heard now that uh, Mickey D is out there doing sort of like a Motorhead tribute. I think it's called One Day or One Night with Mickey D, and he's playing a lot of old Motorhead songs. He was a drummer in Motorhead, not even the original drummer. I, I, love, I love Mickey D, but this is just the way things are right now. You take any one member of a band, and that's the band. Eventually, like I always say, there'll be no members of the original band left, and that band is still going to go on. You know, but hey, it, that's life, right? All right, let's get to the music. Enough of the chit-chat and the complaining about that. I, ri- I rip on that every week, but we'll keep the music going here. Christian will get his uh, request out of the way in the very beginning of the show. He wanted to hear Explorer, New Jersey's finest Explorer. I wish these guys would get back together. They did. They put out a record. They did some reunion shows, and it fell apart again. But I really would love to see Explorer out there playing live. Off that first record, his World War Three. <laughs>
right, last brief featuring our next guest, Alan D'Angelo on bass. Devil to pay. That's a band that he's got going on with Bobby from uh, from Power Theory. So uh, we'll talk to them all about that in a little bit. I'm just trying to get things organized. I kind of got late to the show tonight, so I'm trying to like get all the songs that we're playing tonight uploaded. After being away for two weeks, I haven't been into the studio at all, so I usually have everything prepared before the week comes up, but I'm like kind of at the last minute over here today. But we'll get things going. Uh, in case you haven't heard, you know, there's a lot of news that took place in the last two weeks. We're not going to repeat most of it because it's old news by now, but Man of War coming back to the U.S., even though I think they live here in the U.S. anyway. <laughs> they make us like they live over in Europe, but I'm pretty sure they live up in uh, Auburn, New York still, most of them. At least Joey and Eric do. Uh, I'm not too sure, but, you know, they're playing at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. A beautiful theater. It's like, like, a, like a Radio City music type of theater, very ornate and old, uh, but the tickets were going for like $180 a piece, and the balcony is closed, they didn't sell any tickets in the balcony, because Man of West says nobody looks down on them, so they didn't sell any balcony tickets, uh, but it sold out really quick, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw the price, I was like, you know, if I wanted to go with my wife to that show, it would cost us about $400 for the tickets, with fees added in, that's crazy, do you know how many other shows you can see, local clubs with other bands for that kind of money, I mean, let's be honest, it's just Joey and Eric, and if you've heard Man of War live over the last few years, they don't like the Man of War from back in the 80s. I mean, nobody does. We're all getting older. You know, Eric's still one of the greatest singers, I think, in, in metal, if not in music in general. But, you know, he, he can't do the songs the way they used to. They're all tuned down now. You got Michelangelo Beto playing guitar. You know, I don't want to really see him and his hairpiece up there playing. I mean, it just doesn't look right. I don't even know who's on drums with them now. They've been rotating drummers so often, but I just think that's an excessive amount of money. You know, I know it costs the money to bring in the big setup and play over here, so maybe we'll play some Man of War tonight. They were like 25 cents of royalties to go to Joey, and he could uh, help fund this excursion back to the U.S., but that is a crazy amount of money to spend, and if they know they can sell that place out that quickly, why not do an entire U.S. tour when you're bringing all your equipment over here in your stage show? You know, are they trying to test the waters? I don't know, but they saw it sold out, so I'm guessing that no matter where they play here in the U.S., they're going to sell out no matter where they play, so it might be worth it to do a whole tour, but that's just a crazy amount of money for me to spend on a ticket. I wouldn't do it. All right, we'll save Man of War for later on. Let's play some Merciful Fate. Hopefully this is the year we get new Merciful Fate or King Diamond. Here's Evil.
right, Ever Dawn with Century Black. Let's get Alan on the line right now. We got to get this interview over with because the football game is on tonight. We got to get him back to the game. Hi, this is Alan. You know what to do. You know when to do it. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. To leave a callback number, press 5. Well, not like getting the answer machine the first time, huh? <laughs> Let's try that one more time. Hi, this is Alan. You know what to do. You know when to do it. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang All right, I tell you what. Let's play one more tune, and then I'm going to reach out to Alan again. So let's do uh, St. Lucina, Call the Surgeon. Mike, you there? Yeah, dude. I don't know what's going on. My my phone was like just shutting that number off for some reason. I have no idea why. It was probably your phone's way telling you don't talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to have you on here. You know, a fan of your music for uh, decades now. I hate to, it; really makes me sound old, but it goes back a long time to the '80s. Now, let me tell you something. When you brought up saintly center and that blew my mind completely because i was just talking to my singer from that band the other uh, yesterday in fact and I was, he's like that band just won't die i got called to do an interview about that i got uh, i had a written interview i had to do for that band from some magazine in denmark and i'm wow. like he was asked he was bringing up like our demo tapes because we never had an album I mean, it was the 80s. We were a bunch of kids. All we did was a couple of demo tapes. These tapes got traded everywhere. And I'm like, it's 40 years later, and you guys still remember these little crappy demo tapes we did? That was amazing. So. Absolutely. I mean, I played a tape all I played a, I mean, I got a trip, but I played all the time. And, you know, I remember being a tape trader, like around 81, 82, I started trading tapes with people from all over the country and the world. And I don't remember where I got yours from, but, you know, I just fell in love with the band. It was great music, you know, and good music no. never dies. And it was it was actually decades later that I realized you used a different name. I was like, oh, shit, I don't know why I haven't looked yeah. up Alan. <laughs> I think it was Alex Rossi yeah, or something. no, no. That, I, I, we became, we were young and quite stupid and and quite um involved in uh, chemical substances at the time and my alter ego of, of alex ross was evil and he had to die so i kind of <laughs> had to get rid of it not not so. once did i realize it I'm, I'm looking something up one day and it's like you know in power theory i go who the hell's alex ross in power theory that's oh shit it's alex. <laughs> that's when it dawned on me i was like holy shit yeah that yeah that was that was yeah something else and it really, side, a little side note, I took the name 
from my my then uh, forty years ago girlfriend at the time. Her cousin's name was Alex Ross. I said that's a really cool name, so let me take it and in true eighties fashion add the extra X onto Alex. <laughs> of course. And like three days later, he was stabbed and killed on the subway, and I said. Maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. But, you know, it was a great band. Those demos were amazing. I had Greg Lifesey on the show years ago when we were talking about it, but he didn't play on the demo tapes. He was just in the band, I guess, at one point in time. Yeah, no, he, he was he was Mark Three of that band. We had three versions of that band. Originally, uh, the guitar player was a, a guy from the Bronx who I'm still very good friends with named John Martino. And then uh, Guy Santangelo, who's now playing in, in a band called Legacy, an Iron Maiden tribute, excellent guitar player. And me, him, and the singer Mike actually get together for dinner every now and then and, and compare our old war stories and, and start laughing about the old days. But uh, And then Greg was in the final version that right before we broke up. Yeah, and, and the band started around 83. And so when you think about it, back then, you know, Metallica's debut record came out, Slayer's record came out. That's when... Mellow really started exploding and people were realizing, I think, for the first time that, you know, we can actually make this. You know, before then, it was like an underground thing and you never thought you were going to have a chance to get on a major label or to, to break big or be no, a national no. act. But where was this band at at that time? I mean, did you realize that, hey, you know, we, you did have the music, you had the looks. You know, did you think that we could take well, this to that level? We we wanted to and, and we, we, we might have. I mean, we had interest from labels, but then, then everything imploded. But I'm going to blow your mind now. The band actually started in 1979. Wow. And the original, original, original version was kind of half hard rock, half new wave. <laughs> and then, like, after a couple of years, I'm like, listen, this ain't my gig. I, I need to, we need to get heavy. <laughs> and then we, we altered the, the sound to what was more what we liked. And, and, yeah, I hope you never hear the original demo we did because I, it's cringeworthy. Now I have to hear it. Well, you know, let's be honest. 79, nah, nah. New Wave new wave was big in 79. Hard Rock Metal really wasn't, you know, it didn't take off yet. It was just in the beginning phases. Right, Nobody right. knew what it was. Like, so you we really were still kind of hard rock. We were still kind of hard rock, but not to the level that we got to with, with the further versions of the band. Well, how long did that band go on for before you called it a day? Um, I think we broke up finally in either late 85 or early 86 was our last, uh, our last, uh, I guess, gig we did. And that was, yeah, that was, I want to say early 86. Because then after that, I moved on to, to, that, to a band called Aris, and that was 87, so it had to be before then. When you decide you're going to pack it in, I mean, is it an easy decision to make? What do you say? Like, you know, hey, look, we've been trying this. It's not going anywhere. Or is it more just guys not getting along and saying, you know, F you, I'm out of here? Well, no, it, it kind of just imploded. My, our drummer at the time, Bill, he left. He got an offer to play with a band called Tour de Force, and, and he left to go to join them. And then we just couldn't find a suitable replacement for him. And, and it just kind of like just faded away, you know? That's what happens. I mean, you know, it's the story of this game. I mean, you know, you hope you can make it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But, I mean, the 90s must have been a rough time because, you know, metal was kind of like, you know, not in fogue anymore and people weren't caring about it. But what did you uh, do yeah. to keep busy throughout that decade? Because I don't remember you being in anything that I can recall. Well, no, I, I was actually in with Greg in the band Lives. No, wait, no, I joined that in 2000. No, 90s, I was in a band called Trial by Fire. We never played live but we did record one demo, and it's killer stuff. It just never took off. We had one magazine in um, 
uh, England that wrote about us and uh, in the UK, and they they actually called our song Haddonfield our version of Master of Puppets, which really blew my mind. I was like, wow, wow cool, we're getting compared to that. But yeah, the '90s was rough, man. It was it was it was tough. Not just to even be a musician, just to be a metalhead. Because I remember walking through malls and like, like kids laughing, like pointing and laughing, like, "Hey, David Lee Roth." I was like, oh, "Really? <laughs> you know, I got to deal with this crap." You know. And then, but then, the 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 funny part was then Guitar Hero came out, and all yeah. of a sudden these kids started getting into this music. And then all of a sudden in the malls they're like giving me a thumbs up, and I'm like, "You little prick! You were calling me David Lee Roth last week. I want to strangle you now." Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it went like we did a complete 180 and and but now it, it's i mean it kind of nobody really like you know makes fun of musicians anymore like they did in the, in the 90s you know I, I shouldn't say musicians metalheads like they did in the 90s it's kind of back into not at the level it was in the 80s but it's it's back you know so Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I can never get back to that point again. But, you know, it is thriving right now. But I think we're at a point right now where it's never going to go away again. We're not going to lose it because we have so many younger bands coming up that are playing classic metal that I think it'll just keep continuing on and on and on. You know, we'll never get to that level. Oh, just, yeah. like when the, just like when the 50, the fifties bands came back in the 70s and the 60s bands came back in the 80s. They're all out there playing in front of nice audiences, but it's not what it was back then. No, it'll never get. And, and you know what? I'm I'm kind of glad. Because when it got really big, and I, I know this is blasphemy, but when metal got really big in the 80s, it got watered down. And it, there was a lot of what I call the cookie-cutter bands back then. They all sounded the same. You know, it was, it was, and it was a formula. You know, put out the album, have the pretty outfits and the hair and the makeup, um, have, the, have the fast song to begin with, then have the power ballad after that. And then, you know, it was, it was all formulated. And, and it was just, it, it need, metal, I hate to say this, it needed to die. To, so it could be reborn like a phoenix, you know? Yeah, a lot of people say that. I, I agree with you 100%. Do you think that it was the band's fault or the label's fault? Because the labels would hire, get a band on you know, a contract and say, oh, we love what you're doing, but we want you to do this because this is what's going on right now. And a lot of bands was, just completely I, changed I their sound and style. Both. Yeah. I think it was a bit of both, though, because you had bands, I won't mention any names because I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but there were some bands that came out with like songs and videos that was so, can I curse? Sure you can. Okay. They were so fucking ridiculous yep. that uh, I, I would watch the videos and I would get what we call the douche chills. And that's, that's when you're <laughs> embarrassed for someone else. Like, yeah. looking, and, and I'm like, I'm like, did you really put this out? Or it was like, you know, it was so over the top hair bandy stuff that it was like, you know, don't get me wrong, the original hair bands, they had their place, they were great, and like anything else, the originals thrive and the copycats, you know, ruin it for everybody else. But um, the, when it got to the point where by the late 80s, early 90s, some of these bands coming out, it was like, you know, oh, dude, you know, tone it down, <laughs> pump the brakes a little, you know? So, and yeah, that's what made it had to go away because it just got too watered down and it was, it, there was nothing special anymore. They're, they're, they're right, there wasn't. You know, and I rip on bands like Anthrax a lot because like they changed their sound and style to fit into whatever was going on at the time to stay relevant. And like this band's not true to themselves, true what they started out doing. And I was talking to somebody one day in the, another band. They were like, "Well, you know, they're a machine right now. They they're a business. They've got people that are on the payroll. They got to get paid. They have to make money. It's different when you're at that level." And I I kind of understood it when he said it that way that they have a responsibility to themselves and a lot of people that they pay for. But then then like you know. The other part of me says, I don't care. You know, I want to hear the anthrax that I grew up right. with, not anthrax doing yeah. rap, anthrax well, doing new metal, and, you know, like that. 
Right. From a fan perspective, that's, yeah, I, I can understand. It, it's the same thing like when, when you get the guys that are like, you know, oh, there's no kiss except Ace and Peter. You know, if it was, you know, they're, they're, I can't accept it. They were stupid to get rid of them. I'm like, no, they're running a multi million dollar business. If yeah. you run a multi million dollar business and two of your coworkers are showing up drunk and stoned and not getting things done, you fire them. <laughs> it's that simple. It's, it, you know, they weren't bringing it to the table so they had to be replaced and you know yeah of course there's always going to be that spot in everyone's heart for the original lineup but let, let's be realistic if they had hung on to ace and peter they wouldn't be they wouldn't have been around for that final show a couple of weeks ago absolutely they not. never would have lasted yeah. no so. no not not at all did you ever find yourself in that position over the years where you say hey you know what i'm going to try something a little different because i want to keep playing i want to keep going and you know metal's kind of on the way out right now and we're not going to do nothing with this so did you find yourself in no, that position that, at all? that never i i i i was like you know what in my from my perspective it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i want i'm gonna play what i want and if people are, if people dig it, great. You come along for the ride. And if they don't, I'm doing it for me, you know. And, and it's a labor of love more than anything else. And so, you know, it, success with it is just a a bonus at this point. I mean, I'm, for for all the going crazy and trying to, you know, do things to get even farther ahead and everything. I'm like Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this shit. You know, it's like <laughs> it's. It's I, I'm playing music because I love it, and you know what? If you like it, cool. If you don't, it's cool too. You know, that's true. Not everybody has to like everything, but people get mad when they don't like them. So, but it, it's just the way it is. It's like last year. I think you had a great year last year. New album with Everdawn, last breed new record, two records in a year. I mean, does it get better than that? Well, I got to be honest, and I, I've been saying this to everybody else. I'm not on the Everdawn album. It was recorded before I joined. Oh, so Mike LaPont, my best friend. My best buddy Mike is playing bass on that, so I will never step on his toes and try to take credit for something he did. And uh, you know, it's great because I mean, thanks to him being playing on that, you know, he gives me, you know, uh, he helps me out when because I got to learn all that. We're doing a uh, a record release show March 30th at uh, Dingbats, and they want to play the album in its entirety. And I'm like, well, shit, I got to learn it. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Not, not so I, too much pressure, and we're, we're going to start rehearsing in a month. It's like, okay, you got a month. Learn Mike LaPon's bass lines. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just a month? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mike's an amazing bass player, yeah. and he's a great guy. Mike's played in every single band that's ever come out in the world. Mike is on every I record kinda, and every I, demo that's ever been recorded. I tell him that all the time. I'm like, is there any band you're not in <laughs> at this point? Yeah. But uh, it's it's yeah I, I miss the boy. He's down in Florida now. He moved down to Orlando. But uh, a while back, uh, him and I lived together for like six months, and uh, he was working on the first Silent Assassins album. Great record. And his playing is so unreal. I mean, I remember one time coming home from work, and he's in the living room working on you know the song for the album, and I and just as I'm walking by, he just comes up with this riff. And I remember just walking past him, just looking at him and going. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> walking away. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a phenomenal bass player and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He'll give you the shirt off his back. So, he really will. He is and, a sweetheart. Uh, he is. And I'm lucky to have that multiple times. My my Bob Ballinger in Power Theory is the same way. He's, he'll give you the shirt off his back to, to and will do anything to help you if you need it. And so lucky to have that twice in my life so far. 
True. And you know what it is? I thought Mike might have played on some of the record. You might have played on some of it, but now we know it's all him. But I mean, you know, I know you can handle it because, you know, you're an amazing. Being a bass player myself, I listen to you play. I know how good you are. And, you know, you talked about Power Theory. I think it's like 10 years now you were Power Theory? A little bit over, yeah. I wow. came. What happened, what happened was I was in, uh, I, I was in Live Say. And again, my, it seems like every band I get into is in somehow, some way, a cause of Mike doing it for me. Because <laughs> he was in Sleepy Hollow at the time. He was playing in Sleepy Hollow. And he couldn't do it anymore, so he told the, the rest of the guys in Sleepy Hollow, well, my friend Al plays bass, why don't you have him? Okay, fine. So I go in, I, I, I end up in Sleepy Hollow, and we do a show. I forgot, well, I forgot where it was in Jersey. Weird club with a strip club right next door. It was like, I don't even remember the name of it. Um, the Blue Room or something like that, I think it was called. Anyway, uh, Power Theory opened for us. And I remember meeting Bob for the first time, and the bass I was playing had a Pitt- – I'm a big Pittsburgh Penguin fan. had a Pittsburgh Penguins logo on it, and he's from Philly, so he's a Flyers fan. So he looks at me. He goes, yeah, we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are 11 years later. He's my brother, and we've been in the same band. So yeah, they, they ended up losing their bass player, and, and they asked uh, – they're sing- our singer at the time the sing- uh, was Jeff Rose, and he was a friend of mine, and he said, hey, why don't you get Al in the band? And I came, and that's, that's been it for now for over 10 years. Yeah, the, yeah, the last record had Jeff Rose on there, who's a great singer. But that's been Harry Theory's thing. I mean, the original singer was on the first three records, I think. He passed away. I mean, you know, God, God rest his soul. No, but- he, he, was on, he was on the EP and the first two, I think. Uh, Driven by Fear is Jeff, and... Uh, um, Force of Will is our singer, our current singer, uh, Jim Rutherford. Yeah. I think the original singer was on an axe to grind and out of the ashes besides the DP metal yes, forever. Yes. And, and yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He passed away sadly. And then they brought in Jeff and then things quite didn't quite work out with Jeff after a while. So we got Jim and things have been going pretty smooth with Jim since. So. That's great. Well, you know, it, it's, members changing your bands is a common thing these days. Always has been. But when you replace the singer, it's always a tricky thing, especially years ago. I mean, it worked for Iron Maiden, it worked for ACDC, a lot of other bands it didn't work for. But I think today we're in a different environment where people, they, all, they wanna, all they hear is the name. They don't even care no more who's singing. It's just, oh, right. Power Theory? Oh, we know the music. It's great. We don't <laughs> care who's singing it. So does it, does it really matter if you have to change like a key member like like the lead singer? Right. It It, it does when when it doesn't it's a lot easier when you're not at a high level i mean you know we're we're in no way shape or form at a high level with the band you know we're 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 lower tier and it's it's not as like drastic as like you know ozzy leaving sabbath you know i mean it's you know he's not people aren't going to care as much but the thing is you want for uh, continuity's sake and for the label's sake because labels they're, they're kind of iffy if you're constantly changing singers you know so you want um, you want to remain with a stable lineup as long as possible absolutely well the last record was what was that on uh, Pure Steel put the last record out I think Force of Will yeah Force of Will is on Pure Steel um, we are currently uh, working on some new stuff and we want to we want to explore other label options at this point, and yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll be looking around. We're going to put an EPK together and, and 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 try to hook up some management and another label and see what happens. 
I'm pretty sure you won't have much trouble with that. Power Theory's always been a solid band, you know, from day one. And out of that, you know, with you and BB, you know, you started Last Breed about a year ago. And that's, you know, when I heard it, I was like, okay, it's probably going to sound like Power Theory. Completely different, which I was hoping for and expect yeah, because you wouldn't was, want to do the same thing. No, it was a labor of love that, you know, Bob came up with the idea. He said, listen, let's go back, you know, because Bob and I are, are, are a little older and, and we... You know, most people into, that are playing in, in the metal bands are into the 80s thing. We grew up in the 70s. We were yeah. teenagers in the 70s. So that was our thing. And he's like, you know, let's go back to like a UFO, Thin Lizzy kind of, you know, our roots and, and come out with these. Uh, and, and obviously on the album, there's a UFO cover. And uh, and so we put it together and, and it came in really nice. My drummer from Everdawn uh, played in the video, but... The drummer from Power Theory, who was on the uh, EP we did, the um, something old, something new, something live from something fucking live from Europe. That he was, he played the drums, but then in the video, it's my drummer from Everdon, who's now in Power Theory. <laughs> See, so it's, like, it's a small yeah, world. Kind of, and my 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 keyboard player from uh, when I was in Livesay, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Tony Stahl, is the keyboards on Last Free. And um, a lo- the singer's name is Caesar. Um, oh my God! I, thought, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I'm bad with pronunciation of names. But Caesar was in a local band in Philly called um, Seasons of Morning, and he did the vocals on the album. Yeah, I think it's a Tory or oh. a, 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 a Tory. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I of course, you the lead guitars are it, uh, the lead guitars are Wonder Kid, London Fowler. He's also now in Power Theory, so it's like. <laughs> basically just people bouncing between bands you know but but it was we never really intended to to do any live shows at last breed it was pretty much just a recording project we're not it's not signed to any label we just put it out ourselves and uh and uh it, it ended up coming out better than we thought it was gonna it's fantastic i love the right cover of hard love and man too i mean you know you talk about pure 70s rock uh, yeah. I mean, right there it's fantastic, but you think you would carry, you know, continue this on, just you know, recording and writing new music again, maybe making it a live band also. Uh, it depends because right now things are really busy. You know, we got we got I got Power Theory and I got Everdawn, and uh, um, we're we're looking into doing a new Power Theory album. And with Everdawn, we got gigs lined up. We got that gig. We're, we're doing a festival in in Denmark in August, and then. Uh, with Power Theory, we're looking to start getting some live shows. I know we're going to be doing three shows with Udo in September, um, but uh, it, it's like this: you gotta at some point you gotta say, okay, one thing has to go on the back burner, and well, you gotta focus on on the stuff that has more priority. True. I mean, Everdon signed the Frontier Records, big label over in Italy, but they got a habit of like putting together bands that are like just project bands that they just throw different people in a room together. They've got a songwriter writes everything for them, but that's not Everdon. No, no, Everdon is a band. They are, they are, are our keyboard player Boris and our guitarist Rich are they're the main songwriters, and they come up with. And when you hear, I don't, I don't know how much of the new album you've heard but it's absolutely phenomenal and yeah. i can say that without making it sound like i'm patting my own back because i'm not on it <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, and 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 dan is 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 one of the best drummers i've ever seen you know and, and i love the guy he's like my little brother he's a pain in the ass but i love him and uh and alina our singer is classically trained she's from russia as was as is boris and now she lives in canada and 
her she can sing anything and it's just it just makes the whole thing just sounds sonically it's so huge it's ridiculous and and you know even though i'm not on it i'm proud of it so i'll be on the next one I know you will be. I mean, you really get all your bases covered. You got the symphonic metal going on with Everdorn. You got the great hard rock of Last Breed, pure heavy metal with, you know, Power Theory. I mean, you're covering the whole tri-state area. It's hopping at Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. You must be putting a lot of miles on that car. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. It's a 250-mile round trip just to go to rehearsal with Power Theory. Oh, God. But, you know, when you're at the level that you guys are at, you don't have to rehearse all the time or as much as other bands maybe have to. You kind of like, you know, with the, we have the internet today. There's all this technology where you can exchange files and do things that way. Does it make it easy oh, for yeah. you? Do you like being live with everybody in a room? Well, no. It, 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 it put, if you do your homework at home, you don't have to rehearse as often. Like when we, with, with Everdawn, when I first joined the band, um, it was right after their album Cleopatra came out. And, um, we got the opening slot for Michael Shanker's uh, 50th anniversary European tour. So um, I think we rehearsed We rehearsed without, because Alina's in Canada, we rehearsed without her, I think, three times, and then with her twice, and we were ready for the tour. So uh, that's that's all it took. It's amazing when you think about when you were a kid, you'd have to rehearse like three times a week when you were starting a band to, oh, to get everybody in the same studio. Uh, now you're like, okay, one time I got it all down. I'm going to learn the whole yeah. record you know, oh, before dude. the tour. <laughs> I'll, I'll blow your mind even more. When I when I was living with Mike, Symphony X was about to go out on tour, and they all flew in to rehearse, and they like they I, I, they rehearsed like twice, <laughs> and this is and their music's like so over the top. I'm like, that's all you need, huh? I guess if, if you're pro, you're pro, man. You do it home, you do your homework, you come in, and you and you get it done. So. That's so true. I mean, Alan, was was bass always like something you did? Was it easy to you? Did it come by easy? Was something you really had to work hard on to learn how to play? Well, well, I, I started wanting to play guitar, and this is people who know me know this. It's even on my bio on the on the uh, GHS strings page. My cousin Joe was was my mentor when I was younger. He's a, he's a Grammy nominated producer, bass player, and he. I tried to play guitar, and he said, "Your fingers are too fat. Here, play bass." So, <laughs> and I picked up the bass and I loved it. And I mean, I, I am not in any way, shape, or form classically trained. I don't know theory. I can't read music. What I did is I picked up the bass and played what I thought sounded good. And it's, it's worked so far. Absolutely. Years. <laughs> <laughs> Being that you just picked it up, so, I mean, I'm a bass player myself, you know, and to me, I think we're the most important member of any band. That's just my personal thing. I don't think any band could get by without the bass player. We we are the, the the kings of the band, in my opinion. But did it come? Did you feel comfortable with it in the beginning? When did you pick up? When they say, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I, I don't have to worry no more. I feel comfortable with it because early on, well, you're I... not sure of how to play, and you're, you know, you're not sure what you're doing. Right, right. I think I think what what pushed me into being a lot more comfortable with my playing was my performing because when I, when we started playing live for the earliest, uh, um, uh, actually my first ever band was a band called Nightwish. I uh, know I not, I was sorry, Nightwing. We were called, I named it after that really cheesy friggin' horror movie. And, um, <laughs> we, 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 you know, we played like Loa, like, you know, the battle of the bands at the sons of Italy hall in the Bronx and, yeah. you know, places <laughs> like that, nothing big, but, once I got out of that and then I got into to St. Lee Center, when we started playing live, I, I like I grew up, my influences growing, growing up were Kiss, Queen, Alice Cooper, Angel, 
bands like that. And I said, okay, well, that's what I want to be like. And so when we got on stage, it's that just took over and I started, you know, giving everyone a show. And then when I realized, okay, they're digging the show, it, I didn't worry as much about, oh my God, am I going to, are they going to like my bass playing? Then it just started flowing naturally. And it, it's been like that since then. I mean, you know, anyone who comes to see us knows, you know, you know, make sure there's a way, an area where I can run around and leave me alone. <laughs> I'll give you the show and I'll play the bass and that's it. So it totally was my, my comfort level on playing was actually brought higher by my ability to perform live. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. I mean, you know, back in the 80s, there was always that pressure on any member of any band that wanted to succeed and make it, like, to, you know, kind of go with the flow and make it happen. But now, like, 30, 40 years later on, is it just purely for fun now? You say, you know what? If something happens, that'd be great. If not, I'm having a good time doing it, and it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, that, that's, that, I, I mean, I have to be honest with myself, and I have to be realistic. There, there are a lot more gigs behind me than there are in front of me. I, I mean, I am, I am 62 years old, and... Thankfully, I don't look it, don't act it, don't feel it. So I can still do this without, you know, people looking up on stage and going, hey, Grandpa, get off. You know, but it, it I do know I can't keep doing it forever. So it is a labor of love, like I said. And if something comes of it, and it, it I'm, I'm all for it. But if it doesn't, I can step back and not have any regrets at this point. That's important. I know you said you were working on new Power Theory music. Do you think it's something that might happen this year? Um, we're going to hope that it will. I mean, uh, you know, Bob is a writing machine, so it, it's like, you know, he he gave me uh, a, a bunch of songs that he wants me to write some lyrics for, and obviously bass lines. And you know, we're going to start, you know, seeing what we can put together with that, and. Uh, hopefully we can have it done you know, before the Udo shows. That way we have a new product to take with us. That would be great. I mean, you know, learn how to play the bass, being a bass player is one thing, but being a songwriter is another. Are you a songwriter too? Do you, is it easy writing songs for you? No, I, I, I am not a songwriter. I'm a lyricist. I, 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 I come up with the... I, I've, I've never really written music. I think in my whole life I might have written, you know, three or four songs that were mine, totally more often than not i either do a baseline or while the song's being written i'll be like hey why don't we try this and this you know like i'll help arrange or something like that but as far as just sitting down and composing songs not nah, i don't do that i'm i'm more involved with the lyric writing yeah you know one of the bands i wanted to talk about you know that i i loved and i was gonna have rob graves on the show unfortunately he passed away you know in a car accident we were talking a few months before that we couldn't make it work you played with ripper for a little while i think in 2008 or 9 somewhere in that area i yeah i i i laid down some tracks for the second album uh and um the dead, the dead have risen, risen. and it ended up that none of he didn't really use any of them on there because my style didn't gel well with what they were doing. <clears throat> but Rob was one of my best friends in the world. I was devastated when he died. I, I had got to work uh, on a Monday morning, and his wife called me, and I heard, like, the tone of her voice, and I'm like, what's wrong? And she just said, she, Rob's gone. And I'm like, what? You know, so I got on a plane, flew down to Texas. Um, uh, all the other members of Ripple were there, and we just sat there, like, bawling our eyes out that, you know, I can't believe he's gone, you know, and, and, uh, what happened was he apparently, uh, he had a heart, he was having a heart attack and, 
as like I always told him, like the big stubborn Texan he was, he tried to drive himself to the hospital. And um, he didn't quite make it. He must have passed out behind the wheel. The car left the road and hit a tree. And um, and he was gone. And it, it, it really, he, we, we've been friends since 86, I think. I met him at a horror convention in Manhattan. And we became like friends instantly. And then I flew down to Texas a couple of times to visit him. And, you know, and and then when he was gone, it, it just it was it was such a shock, you know, because he was uh, so much bigger than life, and and it just it left such a void, and you know, Ripper was you know, really really uh, as far as an underground band, they had a really pretty decent following. I mean, I was surprised at how many people like like loved them because I didn't really. You know, I, I didn't really hear of him until I met him, you know, and then all of a sudden I was like, wow, you know, a lot of people dig you, man. So it's such a loss for the metal community. It was. I mean, that band was around since the 70s also in one form or another, you know, and he had it going for those three records, the demo tape. And you know, like I said, I was talking to him on and off saying, you know, we're going to hook up, get on the show. And, and then by the time I ever got around to it, he, he was gone. That's how quick things happen in life, you know? Oh, God, too quick. Yeah, you know, it was like, you know, I, I just talked to him and then all of a sudden I get the call and I was like, you got to be kidding me, you know? But, yeah, but it's crazy. Why every really day is. above every day above ground is a good day, man. You gotta you gotta enjoy every day. So you you got that right now. Hey, I'm not gonna keep because I know the Dolphins are playing tonight, and you know you gotta get yourself prepared for that game. Uh, you know, I, I win or lose, you know, I, I know you're a fan, but <laughs> see which way it goes uh, tonight, dude. I've been a fan since 19 since they came into the league. My father said I was five years old, 1966, and I saw the helmet on TV, and that was it. And I've been a fan ever since. And since 1972, I, you know, I, we had a brief time with Marino where I thought we might get it done again. But I, other than that, I've been suffering and waiting for them to be relevant again. And now finally, they, they're, they're in the playoffs two years in a row. And I'm like, OK, can I allow myself to get excited or or should I not do that? Because I know they're going to stab me in the back. It'll again. be a jinx. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll find out a couple hours if we go another week. Yeah, well, we're definitely in the playoffs. So win or lose tonight, we're, they're in the playoffs. That's so, right. The thing is now, because Jacksonville lost, those son of a bitches, if we beat <laughs> Buffalo tonight, we we play Buffalo the first round of the playoffs. I'm like, great. I know. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be yeah. amazing. Hey, but, hey, Alan, it was great talking to you tonight. I'm going to play some Power Theory. I, I was playing some St. Lucinda. When you call back in, I'm going to get back to that song and we'll play a few more tunes by you awesome. by the end of the night also. So it was great to talk to you. I'm going to try to make it to the Everdorn gig at Dingbats so we can meet up a little bit that night. Awesome. And hopefully uh, yeah. it'll take place because, you know, we got some shitty weather coming up this week. <laughs> And do me a favor before when you sign me off and, and go back on, stay on the line because I want to tell you something that I can't say publicly yet. All right, got it. Let me see if I can do that. Uh, uh, hang on a second. I'll try to do it. If not, I'll, if not, I'll call you back. Okay, cool deal. Because I don't know how to. I, I get confused on how to do that with transferring the calls and put one on hold because it's all done on a, on a digital computer switchboard and it throws me off all the time. One time I did that and the whole conversation went out over the, over the air. So I'll play some songs and then I'll give you a call if I can't do it. All right, so hang on after the song. You got it. Call call me from this number though, and so I I can uh, because obviously the other number for some reason ain't coming through. All right, you got it. I'll do that. All right, brother. I'll talk. All right, Alan. You take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, bye.
All right, St. Lucinda, we started playing that when we were trying to reach out to Alan, and we finished playing it now. Call the Surgeon. I love St. Lucinda. Those two demo tapes, I still play to this day. And, you know, I don't think sometimes bands realize how important some of those things are that they did to fans that just fell in love with that music because we still play it. I wish some label would, you know, get in touch with them and try to reissue, remaster, and reissue all those songs plus anything else that they may have lying around. It would be great to see that on CD or on vinyl. Oh, man, that would be fantastic. I want to thank Alan for being on tonight's show. You know, the first month of the new year is always tough for guests because the industry kind of shuts down the last two weeks of the year. So I reach out to people and we try to get them on here. We start like one guest a week and then it kind of builds up from there like as the year goes on and the industry starts picking up speed again. So I want to thank Alan for taking out the time for being on tonight's show. And, you know, I reach out to him during the holidays, no less. So I do appreciate that. Who do we have on the show next week? Oh, Mark Edwards from Overlord is on the show next week as well as Michael J. Miller from Rapid tears so we got another great one next week this month everybody is on live go figure we have no pre-recorded interviews because they haven't really started doing press stage at the labels but we'll get into that in a little while all right what can we do next let me see here i have new morbid saint which i want to play we'll get to that i know i have something else new i wanted to get to tonight or maybe i'll save it for next week because yeah i'll save that for next week we'll do new we'll do new morbid saint a, a little bit in the show but a couple of weeks ago, I think the Keep It True Festival had posted a, a flyer with the names of other festivals saying, you know, how people have to come out and support these festivals. It's very important for them and, the, you know, for them to continue. Uh, but you know what? I think they're doing that now because I think the whole festival thing is starting to, you know, take a downturn. I've been saying this for years. If you're not going to offer something new, you know, with every festival, you're going to keep rehashing the same bands. You know, there are maybe 10 major underground festivals. There's a lot of festivals. There are 10 of them that most people talk about or go to. And if you guys just keep rehashing the same bands between each and every one of you, people are just going to get tired of going. I mean, you know, that's it, just the way it is. How many, like, the Rage of Armageddon Festival here in New York. Ed, a great promoter, does amazing shows all the time. I love what he does. You know, the last Rage of Armageddon I went to, well, the one before... This one got canceled. There was one last year, one before it was canceled because of COVID. So there wasn't anything in between there. But the one before that, you know, you had Tyrant on the bill. Uh, there were so many bands on the bill that it rained like two, it started two hours late. The place was an absolute shithole. I got to be honest with you. I felt like I was walking on a floor that was held up by milk crates. It was a dive, the place, you know, and it's like an industrial area of Brooklyn, which where a lot of these clubs are these days. Like I said, I got t- it started two hours late. Everything was like a nightmare. So I, I left five and saw half the bands on the bill that night because I just couldn't stand around no more. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I think two bands went on. I never got to see Attacker. They were, they, I think they were headliners that night. Tyrant was on the bill. I think Thrust was on the bill. They had a, he had a lot of great bands on there. Uh, but, you know, shit like that happens sometimes. But as a fan paying money, you don't want to sit there, especially when your fan base are people in their 50s. You know, we don't have that stamina no more. I hate to tell these guys, you know. And I think there are just too many bands on these bills sometimes. You know, you always want to cram with as many groups as you can, but... I don't have the energy or the patience to sit through 10 or 12 bands to get to the one or two I really care about, you know? So this year's Rage of Armageddon Festival, you know, he's bringing in Darkness from Germany, which would be pretty cool. You know, I think they got like two original members left in that band, or maybe one, I'm not even sure. Detente is on the bill. It's most of the original lineup, except for Don Crosby, who passed away. Tina Teal was on that last record. Then they kind of disappeared for about six or seven years. Uh, but it wasn't a bad album, and Tina's not a bad singer, so that's not bad. But then, like, you know... Deceased. I love Deceased. King Fowley's band, but Deceased and Bloodfeast, two bands I love. He, These two bands are almost every single one of his shows or festivals. Bloodfeast is on every single show that Ed puts on. So that's why you're like, you know, how many times am I going to see Bloodfeast? I love him, but I like to see a different band, you know? I'm paying money. I'm going out for the night. I don't want to see the same band doing the same set all the time. And I love Bloodfeast. I mean, I can watch them over and over again, but I do want to see some different bands. That's just not happening. 
So he's got detente and darkness as the headline is Blood Feast and Deceased who on or October thirty first with King Fowler don't have it all no more. Those were the two bands that were always of his that were always on every bill. And now you have Morbid Saint on the bill and a couple of small two or three smaller bands. That's the festival. You've got Blades of Steel that announced night uh night uh excuse me. I'm getting all tongue-tied over here. <laughs> Night Demon. So you knew Sirith Uncle was coming, and everybody's trying to get the mark because it's going to be the last time, you know, performing live. At least they say it is. It could be a kiss move where they, you know, come back and do a bunch of more shows. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, then you have, you know, you know, you have a Legions of Metal Festival with Bob. He's taking a kind of different route this year. He has his two head... He has Un- Unleashed the Arches. The headline is One Night. And he has Watchtower another night. Now, you can't beat Watchtower. I just saw a video of them playing the other day. They look and sound great. They've only done a few shows since getting back together. So that's like a real thrill to have Watchtower playing again with a lot of those original guys in the band. So that's going to be a great one. He's also got Hyrex on that night. But to me, I feel like Hyrex should be the headliner on the other night, not Unleash the Arches. You know, if you want to get people in both nights, you know, split it up in a way. But they got Strike on Unleash the Arches one night. But he went with a lot of local bands I don't mean local to Chicago, but local to the areas they come from, I should say. A lot of smaller bands, you know, not, you know, A-leaguers or even B-leaguers. Uh, they're like a lot of up-and-coming bands. Some of them are pretty good. So he's going in a different direction this year. I want to see how it works out. I hope it works out well for him. Uh, but, you know, are those bands enough to draw a crowd in for 10 or 12 hours, two days in a row? I don't know. You'll have people that want to see Watchtower and Hyrax, people that want to see Unleash the Arches and, and Stryker. But there's a lot of smaller bands on underneath them. Are they enough to draw the crowd? I'm curious. If he does well with that and he packs the place in, then he's got he's on his aunt or something. He's got you know a way of going. But you got to start doing things differently. At least he's trying to do something different this year. He's got a couple of classic 80s bands on there, bands that can headline the show and bring in the crowd. He's got a lot of younger bands that, you know, if they get the break, they could be the next headliner. So let's see if that works out. But, uh... To the festival promoters, stop copying each other, stop sharing bands, stop repeating bands, try to do something different to make it work. You know, that, that's all I can say. All right, let's get back to the music right now. How about we do a little, uh, you know what? Yeah, let's do some Def Leppard. I just saw Def Leppard going out on a tour. They're doing a stadium tour. They kind of took the name from the Motley Crue tour they were on. You know, as much as, you know, I loved the earlier Def Leppard, the first two records, absolutely loved them. You know, I wasn't crazy about Pyromania. You could see the writing was on the wall and things were starting to change. When I look back at Pyromania now, 30 years later, I think it's a masterpiece compared to Hysteria and all the records they put out afterwards. But Def Leppard are going out on tour. Obviously, they're the headlines of this one. They're playing with Cheap Trick, a great rock band. You know, you can't beat Cheap Trick. They're playing with the Steve Miller band. How do you go out on a tour playing with Motley Crue and Poison? They're going out on a tour with the Steve Miller band. Steve Miller band is great. You know, he's an AOR rock band. Cheap Trick, an AOR rock band. Hot on the bill, too, an AOR rock band. So Def Leppard could go out and play with anybody and draw the same crowd. Now, if I'm going to see Def Leppard, the last band I want to see is, is uh, you know, is the Steve Miller band playing with them. But this is the lineup that they're putting together. And they'll probably pack it in. It's such a mixed audience for that show. Like me, if I'm a Steve Miller fan, I don't think I'd be into Def Leppard, even the newest shit, which is like really badly, you know, commercialized. But uh, it is what it is. This is the world we live in. Crazy, huh? Here's some classic Def Leppard.
Brand new Morbid Saint. It's a pretty good record. I gotta be honest with you. Rise from the Ashes. And what did we do right before that? We did uh, Breaker with Living Free and Matacopis with Night Stalker. Heaven Hell Records are going to remaster and re-release that record. I know they're going to do a great job on it. I, I believe they're also in possession of a second unreleased album by the band. And they are going to try to get that out there also. So that's going to be fantastic if it happens. And we kick things off with a little Def Leppard over there. Ah, man, I tell you, we got a great year coming up. You know, 2023 was another fantastic year for metal. Uh, so many killer albums out by such classic 80s bands that, you know, the ones that we love we play in the show. This year's looking to shape up pretty good. I know this month alone, Scanner have a new record out called The Cosmic Race. Master putting out Saints Dispelled. I'm really looking forward to the Rod. I actually had the record for a couple of months now, but, you know, the new Rod record will be out. I 
Battle of the Cage officially, I think, next week on the 17th, and the same with Saxon with Hell, Fire, and Damnation. So that means, you know, we'll be having Cole Kennedy or Rock on here, and probably Biff. Uh, the new Ruthless comes out next week, so, you know, you have that to get a hold of. And there's a lot of other records. Those are, like, pretty much the ones that we would focus on on this show. I think uh, I think Russell from uh, Symphony X has a solo record coming out, too. I have to check into that. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Uh, all right, you know what? I'm going to play Assassin's Blade next. Uh, I really like this album. It came out, uh, God, I don't remember, a couple of years ago. It featured one of, uh, who was it? Was it Rick Sharon was on drums, I believe? Jacques Ballinger, the old singer from Exciter, one of the versions of Exciter. And I think there was somebody else on there from the band. I'm not really sure, but it was a pretty good record, Assassin's Blade, Ages of Mystification. Uh, then they had another one out called Gather Darkness in 2019. Then that was all we got from those guys. So I'm hoping that they're still together, still doing it. Maybe I'll reach out to Jacques and see if he wants to come back on the show talk about what's happening with the band. But uh, off that first record, here's Ages of Mystification. Oh! 
Show! 
that original sin with the curse. We're going to wrap it up here tonight with one more song. I want to thank Alan D'Angelo from Power Theory and Last Breed and Everdorn. And he might be in a new band real soon, a big league band. And hopefully it'll all work out for him and we'll announce it when it comes true, which I think it will. So we'll let you know then. And uh, next week, Mark Edwards from Overlord is our guest. I got a brand new record out. We'll debut a couple of songs off that record next week. And then we have Michael J. Miller. He's got a band called the MJM Band right now, but uh, everybody knows him from Rapid Tears. So we'll be doing a lot of Rapid Tears talk as well as his solo band. So I want to wrap it up here today. My son and his wife had their first child, my newest grandson, Dimitro Joseph. So I want to wish them the best of luck. And one song my wife always played with all my grandkids when they were born and she was trying to get them to sleep was Black Sabbath, It's Alright. So I'm going to play that for Dimitro tonight and wrap it up here. Here you go, DJ. This is for you. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. And I'll see you guys next Sunday night.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.